You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. the definition of refuge. Refuge, here it is. A shelter from pursuit or danger or trouble. A person or place offering this. A person, thing, or course resorted to in difficulties. Finally, any place inaccessible to your enemy. That's a great place to be. As Israel began populating the Promised Land, God instructed His people to set up six cities of refuge around the nation. This was a place that someone could go if they'd sin and needed safety. In today's message, Pastor Danny teaches us that Jesus is our city of refuge. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. However, if we put our faith in Jesus to cleanse us of our sins, He will save us from the wrath of God that is to come. We take refuge in Christ. And like a harbor in a storm, we are safe in his protection. Now here's Pastor Dan with part one of his message, A Place of Refuge, from the book of Joshua, chapter 20. Joshua chapter 20, leading up to chapter 20, obviously chapters 18 and 19, that's one section of the scripture that you might feel if you're reading it is unnecessary. But there is no section of scripture unnecessary. Once I was reading in my regular devotional assigned reading and I was in a section similar, but it had a bunch of names and names I didn't know and didn't really care about. And uh, just when I'm tempted to skip over the section, God spoke to me. It was one of those times that you just knew it was God speaking in your spirit. And he said, he said, you don't know any of these names, but I know the very hairs on each man's head. Now, anytime God speaks about knowing the hairs on a man's head, that really gets my attention. <laughs> and what God said was he's very personal. He knows each one of us. Leading up to chapter 20, chapter 18, verse 3, Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? And then it begins to outline the different pieces of land still awaiting, some that had been taken, but some that had not been taken. Just in the short time of relaunching this ministry, there are people during the study that I've talked to, and I love you so much. But you're still not taking advantage. You're still not taking the steps. You're still not facing the giants that you need to face by faith in order to have the greater blessing that God intends for you. It is a challenge. The land of promise is the place of blessing, but it's the place where you have to face giants. And then there are just the regular issues of life in the land of promise. 
And that's chapter 20. Verse 1, then the Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge. As I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. An accident that you are a part of, and the person on the other end of the accident that you are a part of, they're dead. And even though you didn't mean to do it, their family doesn't maybe believe that you didn't mean to do it, or they don't care. Verse 4, when he flees to one of these cities, he's to stand at the entrance of the city gate, state his case before the elders of that city. Then they are to admit him into their city and give him a place to live with them. If the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused because he killed his neighbor unintentionally and without malice or forethought. He is to stay in that city until he has stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest. That's interesting. Who was serving at the time. Then he may go back to his own home in the town from which he fled. So at the death of the high priest, and there's no explanation given as to why, but the death of the high priest means no more fear of death. So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali. One of the side notes here, every one of the cities of refuge, and there were six, is elevated. Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. On the east side of the Jordan of Jericho, they designated Bezer in the desert, on the plateau in the tribe of Reuben. Ramoth and Gilead in the tribe of Gad. And Golan, Golan, the Golan Heights. And Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. Any of the Israelites or any alien living among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of blood prior to standing trial before the assembly. Numbers chapter 35 is a sister passage to this section in Joshua about cities of refuge. I just want to read a couple of verses from Numbers chapter 35. Hope you're paying attention. This is a Bible study. You've got to be alert. But if without hostility, the verses before talk about murder and the different ways you could have murdered someone. But if without hostility, someone suddenly shoves another or throws something at him unintentionally or without seeing him, drops a stone on him that could kill him and he dies, then since he was not his enemy, he didn't intend to harm him, the assembly must judge between him and the avenger of blood according to these regulations. The assembly must protect the one accused of murder from the avenger of blood and send him back to the city of refuge. Eventually, I think I'll get to using PowerPoint again, but you're blessed right now. You get to do what people have done for hundreds of years, thousands, not have access to PowerPoint. Let me give you the definition of refuge. Refuge, here it is. A shelter from pursuit or danger or trouble. A person or place offering this. A person, thing, or course resorted to in difficulties. Finally, any place inaccessible to your enemy. That's a great place to be. Six towns designated as cities of refuge scattered throughout Israel. 
You know exactly where each city was? I'm not talking geography. Who actually lived there? The Levites. And that's significant for several reasons. Number one, the Levites had no earthly inheritance. Places like Joshua 18 verse 7 tells us that. God said to them, you have no earthly inheritance. I'm your inheritance. They were the ones who made up the priestly class. They were the Old Testament pastors, elders, leaders, right? Now, because they had no earthly inheritance, they were to be examples of and keep reminding even those that had an earthly inheritance that ultimately the Lord is our inheritance. Something else significant about the Levites, and I don't know if you know this, their heritage. They weren't chosen because they were the best in class. Far from it. You go back to Genesis chapter 49, and Jacob as an old man, Levi being one of Jacob's children. In that culture, they had many wives. Jacob had two sons by one woman and a sister of theirs, Simeon, Levi, and Dinah. This is all important. In Genesis 49, in his dying days, Jacob speaks prophetically about his children. Chapter 49, verse 5, says some things not very nice about Simeon and Levi. Here's what he says. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. They don't make good decisions. Let me not join their assembly. Now, why would Jacob say that? Well, you go back to Genesis chapter 34. In their travels, Jacob, his children, verse 1, now Dinah, that's Simeon and Levi's full-blood sister, the daughter of Leah, that she had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. When Shechem, son of Hamor, he's a Gentile, uncircumcised, when he, the ruler of the area, saw her, he took her and violated her. He rapes her. Let me summarize that chapter. Jacob and, of course, all of his kids are really bent out of shape. Dinah's been raped. But Shechem comes and he says, uh, and his dad comes with him, I know this was wrong, but, but I love her. I love her. You can write a blank check and we'll pay it. Just let me marry her. Well, Simeon and Levi come to dad and they say, no. They go to the people of Shechem and they say, it wouldn't be right for us to uh, enter into this kind of uh, family relationship with you, but we will do it under one condition. You see, we're circumcised. And if all your males will be circumcised, then we'll give Dinah, our sister, Jacob's daughter, to you in marriage. Well, buddy, it was love because they agreed to it. The whole town, all the males get circumcised. But Simeon and Levi have a plan. Within three days after all these guys are circumcised and they are hurting, Simeon and Levi come and with their swords, they kill every male 
including Shechem, who raped their sister. They take all the women and children, kidnap them, take all the money and loot, everything, and and it went way overboard vengeance because of what had happened to their sister. That's their heritage. They were not goody two-shoes. They were evil. But then you go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, Moses up on the mount receiving the Ten Commandments, and almost right after he left, remember what happened? All the people, they say, where is this Moses? We don't know where he's going. Let's choose a new leader. (laughs) Aaron, Aaron, uh, his brother, takes their jewelry, jewelry, and according to Aaron, he throws it into the fire, and out comes this golden calf. Well, the Bible tells us that's not true. What happened was he fashioned the calf, and the people began to worship this golden calf while Moses was on the mountain. They began to indulge in pagan revelry. Moses comes down, and he sees what's going on. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 25, Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp, and he said, Whoever's for the Lord, come to me. In other words, if you're willing to repent of this evil turning away from God so quickly, acting like the world again. And all the Levites rallied to him. And he says to the Levites, go and stand for the Lord. And they have to go, and against their brothers, they have to take the sword. I know it sounds gruesome, but that's what happened. But they repented, and they were used to bring judgment on those who did not repent in the name of the Lord. And then God says to them through Moses, because you've taken this step, because you have repented, heartfelt, and taken a stand for the Lord, he has a special place for you now and a special calling for you and a special blessing for you. And they became the priestly line. But their history is anything but priestly, wicked evil, vengeful. And so every city of refuge, guess who lived there? The Levites. Who better knows the grace and love and mercy of God better than the Levites? I don't know if you're aware, under the Old Testament law, even if you sinned unintentionally, you were guilty. Let me prove it. Go to Levi, Leviticus. Leviticus, chapter 4, verse 1. Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, when anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands. Who are the cities of refuge for? Those that had done something unintentionally and yet the avenger of blood is nevertheless after them. Pause. I'll come back to it. Verse 3, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, he must bring to the Lord a blood sacrifice. 
Chapter 4, Leviticus, verse 13. If the whole Israelite community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden, even though they're unaware of the matter, they're guilty. Verse 22, when a leader sins unintentionally, he's guilty. Blood sacrifice required. Individual member, verse 27 and following, blood sacrifice required. Ignorance is no excuse. When Eve, the first human being ever sinned, when she sinned, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 tells us that she was deceived. She didn't know. The devil lied to her. She believed it. Nevertheless, she became a sinner. Romans 3.23, maybe you know it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know that one. Do you know Romans 6.23? The wages of sin is death. Every one of us deserve to die. And every one of us need a place to run to. And every one of us have an avenger of blood after us. Satan is after you. He hates you. And even if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as a matter of fact, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he now hates you even more. And though he can't take you to hell because you know Jesus, he loved to mess your life God has provided a place. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I don't know if you noticed, everyone, I, I mentioned it, I think, when I was reading through Joshua chapter 20, all of the cities of refuge are elevated. The Talmud, which is the Jewish compilation of civil and religious law for the Jews, the Talmud tells us that uh, when God said in Deuteronomy that there are to be roads to all the cities of refuge. The Talmud tells us that when they made those roads, they made them twice as wide as the normal road. And they made sure that those roads were cared for better than any other roads. Easily visible, easily accessible. Romans says, you don't have to go up to heaven or down here. You don't have to do some great thing. The word is in your mouth. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus, you'll be saved. We have a refuge. And isn't it interesting? At the death of the high priest, no more fear of death. Isn't that interesting? When the high priest dies, then you go, I don't have to worry about the avenger of blood any longer. Because the high priest is dead. What's the message there? Well, Hebrews lays it out pretty clearly. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to this. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, Jesus, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For years I lived that way. I put in the eight track. 
It's a little box like this. Went into a big hole in your car. And I turned the James gang up as loud as I can. Or Three Dog Night. Or Led Zeppelin. Or if I was in a really dark mood, Black Sabbath. And all I would think about is party! And then occasionally there were those thoughts while Black Sabbath was playing because they sang about death. And I was so afraid to die. And thank God one day the hell was scared out of me. And I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget the first night I laid my head on the pillow after receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And since that time, I have never, ever feared death. But there's a second lesson here. Not only has God provided a place of refuge that everybody needs, there was no protection if anyone went outside the boundaries that God had set. Back in Numbers chapter 35, the sister passage to Joshua chapter 20, let me read you chapter 35 and down in verse 26. But if the accused ever goes outside the limits of the city of refuge to which he has fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the city, the avenger of blood may kill the accused without being guilty of murder. Now, I've got to be quick on this one, but this is so practical. God has set the boundaries, and if you stay within the boundaries that he has set, you can be saved from the enemy, and the ultimate enemy, ultimate enemy is Satan. He's out to get us. He has the power of death, and you only escape that avenger of blood through Jesus. You go outside the boundaries, you're open prey to the enemy. Two very quick lessons there underneath that main point. One, Acts 4.12, there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. It is a narrow road. It is not all roads lead to God. One road leads to God. His name is Jesus. There is no other way to be saved. But with that, the place of protection, Old Testament is where the Levites live. Every city of refuge is where the Levites live. We are the New Testament Levites. First Peter chapter 2, you're a royal priesthood. And nobody knows the grace, mercy, love, forgiveness as those who know Jesus. And the safest place to be from the enemy who's still out to get you, especially because you know Jesus, is in fellowship. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. You throw the grain up, the wind blows the chaff away, and the good grain falls down together. What Satan was trying to do is get Peter out of fellowship, and for a brief period of time, he did. I don't know Jesus. No, I don't know him. Blankety, blankety, blank. He begins to curse, denying that he knows Jesus. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. How? Fellowship. I didn't think deeply. I didn't go into prayer. I just named it Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Fellowship. 
There's much more to learn from the book of Joshua, so be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Living Word. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of Danny Hodges' messages from the Bible, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. We're so privileged to be able to pray for you. You can connect with us on social media as well. Find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and jump into the conversations there. Find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. And if you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, We want to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people, being made holy by our perfect Creator, and we know that you'll fit right in. Join us Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. to worship God, read His Word, and get to know each other better. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. With that, our time with you has officially come to an end. Join us again next time for more from the book of Joshua, right here on The Living Word.